past two two sermons that I've preached, we've been talking about idolatry and uh, almost sounds like toiletry. It's about the same thing. But idolatry is, uh, you know, something that God wants to deal with and that it, it is a big deal. It's the second of the Ten Commandments to not create idols and um, as I mentioned on Thursday that God so serious about it he was going to kill an entire nation because they had an idol so it's it's not a light thing that we deal with um, alright let's see if we can do something here turn your Bibles let's go find a happy place <laughs> John 4 I love the story of John, uh, the, the story that we're going to read. You guys probably all know it. It's probably one of the most famous passages in Scripture. But I like it because I am a halfy. I'm half, half white, half Korean, half Asian, I should say. Um, and this woman is a Sumerian, and Sumerians were halfies. And so I like this story because it's, Jesus hung out with the halfy and he <laughs> he liked her. So as I was I've shared on Thursday, uh we were talking about worship. And the thing I said is that um every person on the earth, whether they are a believer or not, was created to worship. Every single person. So the, the illustration I gave was a watch. If you take a watch, a normal analog watch, that watch is, that function of that watch is to tell time. It can't do anything else. It can only do what it was designed to do. So if I were to take a, a watch, say they sent it to me, it probably not doesn't have a battery. If I put a battery in the watch, it begins to operate. And I'm going to know, that that watch begins to tell time the moment I put a battery in there. But it's probably not the right time. So, the thing is that every person is created to worship. Every person is designed to worship. The unbeliever is designed to worship just as much as I am, but the only thing is that they are probably not going to worship Jesus because they don't know him yet. And so, they're, so they're designed, but they're still going to worship something. The same with us. We are designed to worship. We were designed to worship God, but how many know when you first got saved, you may have started out worshiping God fervently, but then, you know, you tend to have things creep in and your affections and your attention gets pushed somewhere else. And so what happens is, you know, it's just like a watch. You have to turn the dial, and you have to dial it into its perfect. I mean, you know, the atomic clock is the perfect clock, and we want to set our time to that because it's perfect. Jesus is the atomic clock, and so we're trying to set ourselves in worship to become more in time and become just like Jesus. And so the, the sobering thought is that because you are designed to worship, you are always worshiping. So if you're not worshiping God, you must be worshiping something else. So you're always worshiping no matter 
And so, you know, it really is important for us to take responsibility and ownership of our lives and become intentional livers, right? And not just let life happen and just coast until the next worship set or whatever. It's getting this whole mindset out of worship is music. Worship is is a lifestyle that we're supposed to live and it goes beyond music, but we've been so trained, so programmed because we have such amazing worship out there. We we call that worship. We label it worship and it is. But me cleaning the toilet with the heart towards God is worship. So we we have to break out of this mindset and it takes every time we we enter into a time of worship, you know, I've read about the old saints and the old mystics that they would wash dishes and they Oh, they could feel the presence of God. They knew how to engage God in the washing of dishes. I have not learned how to do that yet. <laughs> I, I, yeah, I hate dishwashing. Um, you'd think I'd be good at it. I'm Asian. <laughs> Anyways, you, some of you guys. <laughs> oh, man, that's on Facebook now. <laughs> oh, man. That's just, just a joke. That's just, just a joke. Yeah, I'm half Asian, so I might get in half trouble. Um, anyways, John chapter 4. So we were created to worship, and we are trying to fine-tune. And I believe every time we engage God in an act of worship where the heart's fully given, we get more and more dialed in to a life of perfect worship. And we have to deal with idols because... If you don't deal with it, your affection is still going to go towards it, right? It, it, it's there. You know, they tried to do that in, in Israel. <laughs> they would have places of worship for God, but they also had high places for other false gods, right? And so they, they were told to tear it all down, and when they tore it down, the greatest moves of God came in and swept across the nation. Josiah tore down all the high places, and the the Spirit of God came and caused the massive awakening in, in Israel. And he was prophesied like 300 years before he was born that he would be. And he was only eight years old. Wow. <laughs> new beginning, right? He was a new beginning. He was eight years old and he created, brought forth one of the greatest awakenings. But he dealt with the idols. And because he destroyed those idols and took down the high places and restored the word of God, Right? read the word of God out loud and uh, so only, so we're in John chapter 4 so we're going we're gonna to look at a verse it's probably the most concise the most I don't know what the what it would say it's the best definition of worship probably in the Bible John chapter 4 I mean it's like this is what it is. <laughs> Everywhere else, you kind of have to infer it and kind of draw it out of the passage or see it. You know, it's illustrated. But Jesus here tells you what it is. And it's interesting that Jesus comes to this woman and he comes to her as the prophet. Because prophets, why? Prophets built altars. Prophets restored worship. Prophets, prophets handled the sacrifices. And it's interesting that he came as the prophet and then worship was defined for us. 
which is another I was just I've been st- reading on this. She had five wives or five wives. <laughs> five husbands. Sixth one wasn't wasn't and then Jesus shows up, the seventh. And he was it was almost like a a proposal. This is what it is. Anyways, that's that's the thought I had. John chapter 4 verse 23 you guys have probably all heard this verse I mean you haven't then read your Bible I don't know verse 23 but an hour is coming so he's had this encounter but an hour is coming and now is when the true worshipers will worship the father in spirit and in truth for such people the father seeks to be his worshipers God is spirit and those who worship him must worship in spirit and truth so he's just he's telling us what worship is all about it's spirit and truth um so some things that we can we can learn from this passage here is this and this should free you this should this should open up or cause you to want to worship more jesus is telling us in these two verses that he's not looking for worship. <laughs> God is not looking for worship. People on YouTube, maybe. Celebrities in Hollywood, for sure. <laughs> they probably they they do what they do because they want to be worshipped. They love that attention. Politicians, whatever, even worship leaders. Worship, you know, leaders or pastors of churches. Maybe they have they want to be worshipped. They they're seeking worship. They're seeking the affection and attention of people, and that's why they do what they do. God is not looking for worship. Our worship does not encourage God. Our worship doesn't make him feel better about himself. Like if we sing, oh how beautiful, he's like, man, I really needed to hear that today. That was just so encouraging. No, God, our worship does not enhance God in any way. Doesn't give him strength, doesn't give him power. God is not looking for worship. If you read the scripture, it's here, it says God is looking for worshipers. So that should free us, meaning that it should remove that whole mentality of performance trying to do things to for god to appease him or you know that's what the that's what third world countries do they appease their demons and their gods by sacrifices and the offerings that they bring we don't do that god is not appeased by it jesus satisfied everything he he took care of that right so we don't offer our sacrifices and offerings because that's what he's desiring or <laughs> makes him happy or whatever. You know, he, of course he loves when we worship him. Why? Because we become like him. He understands every time you worship, you become like him. And so we're singing and all the offerings, even David said it, if you wanted bulls and goats and all these things, I would offer it. But what do you want? You want a broken heart and a contrite spirit. All right? He wants, that's the sacrifices that God looks for. And they says, he says that, you know, it, basically, I'll give you those, and then the, the bulls and the goats, those are bonuses. 
Those are the add-ons. Those are the expressions of my love, the expressions of my worship towards you. So God is not looking for worship. He's looking for worshipers. If you look in verse verse 23, it says, but an hour is coming and now is when the true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and truth. He's not just looking for worshipers. He's looking for true worshipers which implies there are fake worshipers right you don't put an emphasis on that word worship doesn't need a modifier if you just say worshipers right he he put a modifier true worshipers and that should light bulbs go off well if there's true worshipers then there must mean there must be fake worshipers and true means uh to have to not only have the name or the resemblance of the name, but to actually have the actual character and nature of the title that you've been given. Does that make sense? So for to be a true worshiper, it, it's not what you look on the outside only. It's what's, what you look like on the inside. It's a full package deal when you are a true worshiper. That word true there. So... fake worshipers are the pretenders they pretend they have this outward external they come and they have services but they go home and their life is totally different right worship didn't affect them they didn't have an encounter with God that transformed them because every time we encounter God we should become more like him and so um, they do all the right things on the outside you remember the woman that that broke the alabaster jar in front of on the feet of Jesus it was worth you know a year's wages and she breaks it and how many know she wasn't performing a religious act she wasn't trying to impress Jesus she wasn't trying to offer something that may give her a little more favor she wasn't trying to manipulate God like I think we do sometimes I'm going to worship to God get God to do something for me oh man that's that's hitting me, <laughs> right? Someone's sick. Oh, let's let's worship. Maybe we'll, maybe we can appease him and get him stirred up. Maybe he'll like wanna. No, God doesn't heal because we manipulate. He heals because he loves. And so you know we uh, she wasn't breaking it and trying to manipulate Jesus into giving her a position in the ministry or something. She was doing it because she was showing us what was on the inside of her. It was what's happening inside of her. So keep going. Uh, let's see if I can. God is spirit, verse 24, and those who worship him must worship in spirit and truth. Those who worship him must. So when we come in here, we must worship in spirit and truth, or you have not worshiped him in spirit and truth her you have not actually engaged in true worship it's must that word must means no options there is no options that word spirit is also the same word used for the holy spirit it's ruach and it's we must worship in our spirit and truth 
The word truth is, is, means without falsehood or deceit. And basically, if you take it, it's, take it back to its root, it's coming to God as we are, hiding nothing and, and being unconcealed and fully open to him. It isn't putting on a show. That's what it means to be truthful and true in our worship towards God. So, you know, I, as I was, that's kind of a setup to what I'm going to say, but like I said, I love this story because I am a, a halfy. So I believe there's going to be a mass awakening in halfies all over the world. So if you're a halfy, man, meet Jesus at the well. Because <laughs> uh, I, I grew up, where I grew up in Tacoma, ma I mean, it, Halfies everywhere because it's a military base. So a lot of Americans married Koreans or, you know, different nationalities. And so I went to a church where most, a huge number of the, it was a Korean church, but a huge, huge number of the children were half Korean, half white, just like me. So it was, it was you, don't, you don't understand what it is to be half sometimes. Like, it used to be in Korea, if you were halfy and you went back, you were ridiculed, just like these people were. And you were put down, and and then uh, what's his name, the football star, Heinz Ward, half Korean, half black. He went and visited Korea, and he didn't like Korea because of the way they treated him and his mom, and you know because he was half. And he went back after they won the Super Bowl. <laughs> it opened the door, and now he, people are a little more gracious. <laughs> but to be uh, understand what this the story is, she's a halfy. And I want to, she has an encounter with Jesus, and this encounter leads to, to three big things. It leads to the revelation that Jesus was the Messiah, the definition of worship, and the evangelism of an entire city. I mean, the, from this encounter of, this time of worship led to a city being evangelized and souls being one. Like I said before, worship is connected to evangelism and missions right John Piper said that missions exist because worship doesn't and I, I totally believe that and if you look throughout scripture you'll see that a lot of times worship will happen and then evangelism or some kind of reaching out to a nation or something so Jesus has this encounter I'm gonna try to fly through this um, I, we'll see what happens look at verse 7 John chapter 4. And this is how the entire encounter started. And so I'm going to share with you what I believe the Lord spoke to me, and I'll let you decide. There came a woman of Samaria to draw water. Verse 7, and Jesus said to her, give me a drink. Somebody say, give me a drink. No, you guys say, give me a drink. <laughs> you got to say, say with a little attitude. So G, this whole encounter that led to the revelation that he's the Messiah, the definition of worship, and the evangelism of the city began by Jesus saying, give me a drink. So <clears throat> I'll tell you what I believe. I believe that this, he wasn't asking for her a drink. He was telling her. Or he said, give me a drink. <laughs> so this command of give me a drink 
I believe it is connected directly to John chapter 4, verse 23 and 24. I believe that they're directly connected. And, you know, Jesus' request for water has, is, has more dimensions than we realize. Right? So, you know, I'll talk about that in a second. Um, remember, in, if you read, actually, the end of John, John chapter 4, Jesus' disciples come back, and they bring him food. <laughs> and then he's like, you know, my food is to do the will of my Father. And they're, they're, they start, like, who the heck brought him food? We just went to get him food. And who brought, how many, he wasn't talking about food. Like, he wasn't talking about the natural need for food, Right? He said his will was to do the Father's business, that it is, that's his food, that's his nourishment. So I believe when Jesus says, give me a drink, he wasn't talking merely about a cup of water. I believe Jesus was saying he wanted to have a spirit-to-spirit encounter with this woman. Let me drink of your spirit. I mean, in Jesus, remember he was saying to Peter and the, the disciples, they're like, hey, you don't have to go through this. He's like, I've come this far. Am I not to drink my father's cup? I mean, you know, there's literally not a cup there. <laughs> he's, he's, he's trying to paint a picture for you. That, so, you know, I, I believe Jesus, when he says, give me a drink, he's actually speaking in another dimensional way that he's saying, I want a drink of your spirit. And so he goes on in his encounter and I believe it's connected to that. So, you know, I was in prayer and in worship. And, I, you know, I don't, pretty sure, I'm pretty sure every person here has experienced it. But when you get into this place of worship, you go deep. And it's so deep that you kind of forget time. You forget where you're at. You just get lost in the presence of God. And, and you sometimes do things that you would never do. So I'm in, I'm in the middle of worship, and I'm going deep with God, and, and I hit this deep place where I'm just crying out to God. And as I cry out, I cry out, God, drink of my spirit. God, drink of my spirit. And then I stopped, and I was like, what does that mean? And I believe this is connected. And so, you know... I, the light bulb goes on, and I, I read, start studying this, and I believe Jesus is asked, is saying, "I want a drink of your spirit." So you know, if you if you look at John chapter four, I'm gonna quickly there. You know, he's being accused of certain things and whatnot, and John's disciple or Jesus disciples are baptizing more disciples than John's and even though Jesus it says Jesus wasn't wasn't baptizing it was his disciples so it says in verse 3 chapter 4 he left Judea and went away into Galilee and he had to pass through Samaria so you have to understand Jesus did not have to go through Samaria He could have done the exact thing that every other Jew would do during that time. They would take the long way around the entire region of Samaria because they felt like even the dirt of Samaria wasn't worthy of their presence or to get on their clothes. So they would take 
the entire way around to avoid this place. But it says Jesus had to pass through it. I don't believe he had to pass through it because that was the only route. I believe he had to pass through it because that's where the father was going. Because he only did what his father saw his father do and heard his father say. So this, this, so Jesus is going, going to Samaria because he sees the father going there. And what is the father doing? Why would the father go there? He's seeking a worshiper. He found one, and that's where the definition, I believe, comes. So he's, he's going through Samaria, and, you know, like I said, they, they really don't like each other. <laughs> so this is a big deal that Jesus is going through this. I mean, Samaritans are dogs, <laughs> according to, you know, they had this fight, and they tried to do all these things and to stop the building of the wall all that. sounds familiar <laughs> Jesus didn't have to go through I think verse 23 and 24 this is you know so I'm going to wrap it up but I believe John chapter 4 verse 23 and 24 are actually is actually the definition of the encounter Jesus has with the Samaritan woman I mean Jesus does and then he teaches Jesus did an encounter with this woman and then he he before moving on he defines what just happened you see I, I you know I've read this verse the spirit and truth for a very long time and I've always wondered like what does that actually mean what does that look like to worship in spirit and truth you think being a worship leader I would have a better grasp <laughs> so this thing was just wrestling through my mind and then God being, I believe, show me through this that this is what spirit and truth looks like. Spirit is the communion, the intimacy with our spirit, with the spirit of God, to be drinking from one another, to engage. See, you know, I... Never mind. So, engaging spirit to spirit. How many we're not... We're... We're supposed to drink of his spirit. It even says in 1 Corinthians, I think, chapter 12, we drink of one spirit. And he, we, he's supposed to, we, he drinks of our spirit. Jesus is longing for the spirit-to-spirit connection with us. But also we see that he takes her through those things as you have, you know, call your husbands. You know, and she's like, I don't, I don't have a husband. She, he's like, you're right. <laughs> you know, you have five. And the one right now is not your husband. She didn't hide it. It was open. She was she was being transparent and not saying, "Oh, uh, you know, um, uh, you know." She didn't try to cover up, make some story. She just she had this unconcealed, unhidden life before God. Because how many know Jesus knew it? <laughs> Jesus knew it. Jesus knows what you're going through. He knows what you're dealing with. So why hide it? Now, I'm not saying you have to get out in front of the whole public and, you know, put everything on blast and tell everybody what's going on. But coming before God unhidden, unconcealed, open before him in truth and saying, God, life sucks. 
this this is hard or I'm going through this or I'm doing this or man I'm so I'm so excited about this. you know coming before him with an honest heart and being unconcealed and being real true don't be a pretender you know we I how many times have we walked into a worship time and sang songs like you know songs that oh you make me happy but inside you're cr you feel like crap <laughs> can I say that on camera well I did now you know I, I also want to say that how many understand that God likes an honest worshiper right he likes us to be honest and real and I believe in that you know you know, but that's this is what I think at some point your honesty has to be joy at some point you have to mature from complaining and whining and yelling at God to a place where you're fine your honest place is joy right it's the maturity you know people say well you know if you're having a bad day you know you, you always come I understand yeah totally but let's mature into remember Paul says rejoice and again I say rejoice he says count it all joy it's maturing you know so you know being real coming before God if you're having a crappy day you that's you know, let God come before God and deal with that. So the drink of the water, I believe, is speaking spirit to spirit. Com you know, the conversation about the husbands is the spirit, is the truth. And Jesus is saying, those who worship God must worship in spirit and truth. Worship from spirit to spirit, connection, you know, not this heady thing, not the soulish thing. It's the spirit to spirit and in truth so nothing hidden and being real before God and saying God I'm this place but I'm going to worship you anyway he already knows how what's going on in your life he already knows your sin he already knows all that stuff anyways I'm going to this is how important you know this is to encourage people when we come to worship Spend some moments, spend a time before God and get your heart right. Because it, it, for us to be able to live in spirit and in truth didn't come at a cheap price. It didn't come by, you know, him throwing 30 silver coins. It came by blood. So I want, you, I want to show you that I'm going to show you a verse that God showed me as I was re reading this John chapter 4 John chapter 19 and I'm, I'm going to be thank you John chapter 19 I want to show you the heart of how important this meeting with this woman was it was a foreshadowing it was a picture of his desire for all of us. And so John chapter 19, verse 28. Got it? Say amen. So this is at the death 
This is at Jesus on the cross, and this is what he says. After this, Jesus, <clears throat> knowing that all things, in other words, he finished everything that needed to be done, had already been accomplished to fulfill the scripture, said, I am thirsty. <laughs> Give me a drink. When I'm dying, I am not going to be like, man, I'm thirsty. <laughs> that is not, like I said, remember, Jesus speaks in dimensions. <laughs> and when he's saying this, I don't think he meant the sour thing that they were about to put in his mouth. I mean, give me a Coke or something. If I'm dying, I need some flavor. I need some good, I need something that's, you know. I think Jesus was thinking back to this moment and for how, the suffering and the things that he went through for us because he was thirsty for the souls of men. He was thirsty for our relationship. And he was, this, the, it goes back to John 4 when he says, give me a drink. I believe on the cross he was, he was declaring, give me a drink. Now I've fulfilled everything. I've done everything that needs to be taken place. Now give me a drink. <clears throat> that should encourage us to really step up our worship game. Right? If my, and my last words, if I was Jesus on the cross, would not have been, I am thirsty. It would have been, I'm going to remember you, you, you. You put me here. Oh, I remember you, man. You know, <laughs> none of you walking away from this, man. You guys are all paying. <laughs> That's just me. You guys should be like, thank God Joe's not, <laughs> not the savior of the world. But he had the, he was probably thirsting for their souls as well. Thirsting for a drink from them. Thirsting for the future bride. You know, like, to commune with her one face to face, to have the intimate spirit worship in nothing hidden, being truthful and, you know, uncovered like they were in the gar Garden of Eden. This is why I, I, I refuse to let my bad, like, I, you know, I really work hard to whenever I come in, if I'm having a bad day, come in, then I'm going to give Jesus my best anyways. I'm going to worship because of just his, what he had to go through for us to have this kind of worship and relationship. And so, you know, really considering that I'm just not going to show up on Sunday just to sing some songs. I'm not just going to go through the week living for myself. Not when the pri this big of a price was paid for me. So I just want to encourage everybody, you know, that on the cross he was thinking about you. <laughs> All right. Let's stand and uh, thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Mm. Thank.
Thank you, Lord Jesus. I want you just to pray for yourself right now and just ask the Lord this to begin to teach you, not to say you guys aren't, but to teach you even deeper, under a deeper understanding of what it is to be a true worshiper. I'm learning. I've been doing this for, man, 30 years, and I still don't got it. <laughs> I'm still learning. I'm still trying to grow and mature in my worship before the Lord and in the way I serve this church or serve my fam, my wife or the farm or whatever and to worship God in all things because of what he did for us, what he gave up. And so I want you to pray for yourself. That invite Holy Spirit, invite Jesus to teach you how to worship in spirit and truth to really begin to engage him in your spirit like you've never have before, to engage him and to be so unashamed because of the blood of Jesus that you can come before him with all your faults and all your sin and your mistakes and all the, the imperfections. You can come before God and just be real and truthful because he already sees it. He already knows it. He already knows it. So coming before him un, unhidden. And so I want you to just begin to pray for yourself for a moment and help ask God to take you on a deep journey this week, this deep journey into um, the heart of his, the heart of God. And so thank you, Lord. I pray for myself, Lord. I pray that you would teach me how to worship, how, how to really worship, to be a true worshiper, not to be fake in anything I present, that I would not come thinking that my sacrifices, my songs, my bulls and my goats are pleasing you but my heart is far away but God that my heart that you would teach my heart to be open teach my heart to be real teach my heart to engage you that I, that I would be able to to go above what my soul longs my soul wants to be so so in, in lazy and, and and complacent but God that my spirit would I would be led by my spirit and God that I that the, the, by the spirit of God and that there would be a connection and an intimacy that like I've never known before Lord that you would draw us deep this week draw me deeper this week God into the places of your heart into the places that God that only the intimate can go that Jesus no study can take us to no scholarly understanding can take us to but only intimacy only love only deep intimacy God into the rooms, into the chambers, Jesus, that, 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 are, that are reserved for those who love you, for those who long for you, those, the king's chambers, would be taken into the king's chambers, God. Thank you, Lord. The chambers of your heart, the chambers into the corridors, into the, ca the very place, the deep places of your heart, God. Oh, I thank you, Lord, for the true worshipers that you are raising up here at Eagle's Nest. Thank you for the true worshipers. That they, they won't tolerate pretend worship. They won't tolerate uh, just worship that is just flippant. But they, they, they have a heart and they have a desire to know you and to love you and to worship in spirit and truth, God. They have a desire to be known, God, to, fully, to know you and to be fully known by you. That, Lord, that they have this heart and this desire to really go deep with you, Jesus. Answer the desire of their heart, God. That they would, they would, they would just begin to go deeper and deeper this week. 
and that they, they would hear even this week they would hear in the spirit as they're doing whatever they're doing they would hear give me a drink when they're working give me a drink when they're eating their meal they would hear Jesus say give me a drink I want communion with you that they would hear and they would respond in spirit and truth God thank you Lord Jesus thank you that you are not compartmentalized that you are not separate from our lives and you're only involved in church life or ministry time or big gatherings but you're involved when I'm in the bathroom you're involved everywhere I am help my heart to hear just like David seek my you, you said seek my face in my, my and my heart would respond your face I shall seek give me a drink that they would hear that to this week give me a drink you are worthy of our encounter our encounters God you are worthy of our hearts you paid a great price let us not treat worship as another formality it's not the warm-up to the sermon worship is life help us Jesus help us Jesus you died that we would live a life that is full and abundant and without the life of worship spirit and truth worship impossible to live the full life thank you Lord so bless your people bless them as they go and I pray that as we take the offering Jesus they would remember what you did what you gave what you laid down for each and every single person in this room that you did not offer something that didn't cost you anything but you gave us the greatest sacrifice thank you Lord bless their seed multiply it to the ends of the earth in Jesus name amen so Marion's got